Hey, this is Gerd's Handel, and welcome to the Inner Light Project. This show is for anyone who's wanting to lead a happier, healthier, and enlightened life. Create more self-love, inject more joy and abundance into their daily life. Join me for inspiring interviews and spiritual topics so you can shine your inner light. Hello and welcome to a special episode of the Inner Light Project. My name is Gerd Handel and today I have a special guest with me who is helping people to find their inner peace. Corinne Zuko is a keynote speaker and certified coach and teaches mindfulness and meditation. She believes we can all heal from the inside out. Corinne, it's an absolute pleasure having you on the show and thank you for joining us here in the space today. Oh, I'm so honored to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you seriously for joining us because the work that you're doing is just amazing. The amount of people's lives you have shifted with not just your book, but what you're doing is just so powerful. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for being on here today. So Corinne, my first... My heart full. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, bless you. (laughs) So my thing, you know, it's your life story is really interesting. So could you tell the life, sorry, can you tell the listeners what your life was like before you became a coach? Absolutely. So my greatest teacher in life has been anxiety. I Mm. have, I joke around that I was born with it. I don't know that I was actually born with it, but I was definitely primed. You know, I think I definitely had an anxious temperament from the get go. And Mm. I have just known anxiety my entire life and to the point of like debilitating anxiety. So as a child, when I was really young, I was diagnosed with separation anxiety disorder from my mom. And I remember just as a child, like being freaked out if she would leave my sight. Like I would just get so worried and so scared something would happen to her and I would just be terrified. And she was so patient and, you know, um, (laughs) was, was really, really very loving. And, and I grew out of the separation anxiety, but I like to think about fear as a shapeshifter. So when we're suffering in one way with fear, when it's coming out in one, you know, avenue, if we're not getting to the core of the fear, the fear is free. You know, we might work on that one fear, but the fear might then go underground and come out in some other way. So as I grew up, I had a lot of phobias. So the separation anxiety got better, but then it sort of morphed into phobias. And I remember being afraid of just ridiculous things. Like for instance, this is, this is cute and funny, but when I was in kindergarten, I remember being obsessively worried that I was pregnant because I liked a boy. Like I had no idea about the birds and the bees. I had no clue. And as I got older, I started, the the fears then kind of changed again. And I'd be really freaked out about physical symptoms. So every time I had a pain in my body, I went to the worst case scenario. I remember around the age of like 11, 12 being like, fixated that I was petrified that every belly pain that I had meant that I had appendicitis. And I later got appendicitis, which is really funny. (laughs) Nothing, nothing like, you know, I had made it to be in my head. It was just like something that I got. It was quick. It got surgery and, you know, it was over with, but, Mm. um, I was always really, really worried. And my mind would go to the worst case scenario. So if I had a pain, it meant, you know, I was dying of a terrible disease. And 
from there, so fast forward to college where I still had a lot of the, I would say that the health concerns, you know, the, the illness anxiety was probably my greatest trigger. That's probably been the type of anxiety that I've had the longest. And when I was in college, that's when I started having like out of control, uncontrollable, just really painful, intense panic attacks. And there actually was like a precipitating event for them to start, which happened. It was a a day during the final week of my sophomore year of college. And I learned that a student who I didn't actually even personally know died very suddenly of an illness. He was supposedly fine and Mm. then passed away from this illness very quickly. And I got freaked out. I was like, how can this happen? How can somebody be okay? And then, you know, dead. And I was terrified the same thing was going to happen to me. And I remember feeling this core of fear, just like rise up through the core of my body. I had like tingling and, you know, that, that jittery, like butterfly feeling. And I calmed myself down enough that day to, you know, get through that day of finals and get through the day. And then I went to bed that night and three o'clock in the morning, I woke up with what felt like a punch in the stomach. It, it literally felt like a punch. It was stress hormones. It was just a flood of stress hormones. And I woke up, I remember gasping for air, being covered in sweat, shaking from head to toe. And I thought I was dying. I thought I was having a heart attack because my heart was racing. And I remember, so I was on the top bunk bed. I remember climbing down the ladder, really trying to not wake up my roommate and my body was trembling so bad. It was like my knees could hardly hold my body weight. It was like my knees were buckling beneath my own weight because I was trembling. And I made it out into our bathroom and grabbed the phone. And at three o'clock in the morning, I called my mom and it was a miracle that she picked up the phone because like my mom, I sleep with earplugs and a white noisemaker, <laughs> like anything <laughs> to blot out noise. And she still sleeps the same way. But that night from across the house, she heard the phone ring through her earplugs and through the white noise maker. And she picked up the phone and, you know, we figured out that I was having a panic attack, that I was not dying. And she really instilled hope in me that we'd find help for me. And so that was really like my dark night of the soul, because at that point in time, now the panic attacks would be going on from then on for years. And they were really intense in the beginning to the point where like the first one felt like it lasted for two weeks. Like it was just incessant. And it really was a point in time when I felt like, is this my new normal? Like, am I ever going to know myself again? Am I ever going to feel grounded again? Am I ever going to feel peace or happiness again? It just felt like there were no guarantees and that I didn't know that I'd get there. And yet I felt hopeful. My mom, and we can talk about this too when we get through, you know, my story. My mom introduced me at that point in time. She said, Corinne, I've tried to talk to you about this before, but this spiritual pathway that I study called A Course in Miracles (gasps) is all about finding peace and, you know, reclaiming that peace and love that's within us. And I was like, bring it on. I'll try anything. However, before this panic attack, she had tried to talk to me about it. And I was like, heck no, like, I'm not interested. Don't talk to me about this spiritual crap. Like I was, I was really like, really not interested. And it was only once I hit my rock bottom that 
I opened my mind and I was like, you know what, I'll explore anything. I'll try anything. And so that was really, although it was painful and the anxiety continued for, you know, quite some time after that, as I started, even the first time I opened up this book called A Course in Miracles and started reading, it was as if something like glimmered in my heart. It was as if I got this flash of just love come through me that was like, yes, this is going to help you. Like this is going to be your way out because I tried everything. I tried therapy. I tried, you know, a lot of different approaches for, for finding peace again. And of course those approaches have been helpful at different times, but I needed something to heal the root cause of the freaking fear in my mind that was just out of control. Like I needed to get deep into my mind and really exhume that source of fear so it could no longer shapeshift. So it could no longer pop up in different forms in my life. Like I wanted real healing. So fast forward, you know, I I was getting slowly better as I studied the course, but I would use my spiritual practice kind of like a band-aid. So I'd run to the course when I didn't feel good. I'd read something, I feel better. Then I'd go back to doing whatever I was doing. And in 2009, I was actually in a job that no longer fit me, but every job, every other job I applied to just led to dead ends. And I felt very stuck. And I remember in 2009, this one point in the summer when I realized I was going to have to go back to work in September, I just unraveled again. It was as if I had that same panic attack from the first time, only it felt even worse. And it was at this point that I realized, number one, that I had been using my spiritual practice as a Band-Aid and that I could go deeper. And in going deeper, and we can talk about what this looks like, but going deeper really was about starting to turn toward my fear and bring my fears to the light for true healing, you know, to really begin to change my perception and even shift my identity into something much greater than, you know, what I'm used to identifying with. And that's when I started noticing that the anxiety was shedding. It was just like falling away, like old, like an old snakeskin, you know, sheds its skin. Mm. It was just falling away as, as I really applied these spiritual tools. And so that now, that process that I began writing about at that time, because I knew how much it was helping me, everything that I wrote down now comprises the pages of From Anxiety to Love. So it's all the steps, all the principles of A Course in Miracles that helped me truly heal that debilitating anxiety. Wow. So that's got my story in a nutshell. <laughs> wow. What a journey. <laughs> wow. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's a, that's so beautiful. The fact that you know you were able to get out of it, that is just so amazing because a lot of people out there who are probably listening to this right now are probably going through anxiety and it just shows that anything is possible if you believe, right? Uh, for sure. And you know, anxiety is rampant. There's mm. a there's a and this, you know, would apply to the United States, but I don't think it just applies to the US. I think it's in many countries worldwide. This headline of the New York Times article said something to the effect of you know, we're no longer a Prozac nation. We're the United States of Xanax. Like anxiety is rampant. And I believe that that's true for other places in the world as well. I think that anxiety is this experience that we're all having because we are profoundly disconnected from who we truly are, which is love, which is that capital L divine love. Absolutely. And just like myself, um, I also 
went through depression and anxiety growing up and you know kind of like yourself it's like why is it happening to me like what's wrong with me we always think that there's something wrong with us but I guess it's what I felt personally is that we were too busy focusing from our mind and not listening from our soul yeah oh that's a great way to say it that's a lovely lovely way to say it and that's so true because if you think about it in our head the voice that we usually listen to is that voice of fear. It's that mm. that inner chatter that is judgmental toward ourselves. It's yeah. judgmental towards others. It tells us we should be further along than where we are. We should not feel the way that we feel. And we're listening to that all the time. We're very much up in our heads. And you're absolutely right. The process of healing is about dropping into your soul or your heart and that place, mm. that other thought system in our in our minds, that is that thought system of love. And as we start to dwell in that and cultivate that and live that, that's that's where the anxiety, the depression, the struggle falls away. So I love how you said that. Oh, bless you. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the whole, like, hearing your journey and just where you came from and where you are right now. And I feel like it's so interesting that a lot of our journeys, we all have to almost get to a really, like, dark point for us to, like, wake up. But we've had those, like... I mean, like there's, there were patterns before, like we could see the signs, but we didn't want to accept them. Yeah. And I love, um, what you just alluded to, to something that just made me think that what, when you said that things have to get really dark, like before mm. we start to wake up, think about it. It's like the darkness becomes necessary because if things were perfect, <laughs> if things were <laughs> it, not even perfect, forget perfect. Mm. If things were just tolerable, you know, if they were mm. okay, we'd have no motivation to do this deep inner work that I believe we're all called to do. So the status quo, the feeling of things just being all right or okay is kind of, it can be a stagnant place. And so when something Mm. that's, that's dark and challenging and painful comes up, it's a call to awaken. It's an opportunity that we have to dive more deeply into our own hearts and souls and minds to really start to step into our truth and love that we are all made of. Mm, I love that. (laughs) Yeah, it's so powerful. Like a lot of it, like I feel like a lot of us don't see it, even from a young age, especially as well. Like we're usually like the odd child as well in the family (laughs) that Uh no one gets, right? Oh, the odd child. Yes. (laughs) That's I'm glad that you said that because that's another thing that anxiety does is that it will convince us that we are the only person in the world that feels this way. We're the only one in our family. We're the only one in our immediate social circle. And that's so not true because if you start sharing, this happened with me when I started first publicly speaking and writing about my journey. I had so many friends from high school and college come forward and say, Corinne, oh my gosh, me too. Like, I wish I would have known because we could have supported each other because, you know, they were struggling with it as well. Mm. We don't talk about it enough. We really don't. And we need to in order to shed that stigma because anxiety will convince us that we are that odd one out for sure. (laughs) It's so true. Yeah, absolutely, my lovely. And my dear, so you know, you're now a coach and a speaker. Can you tell us how you're helping people to live with that beautiful feeling of peace? Yeah, sure. So the transition into helping others really happened because of the anxiety. So I was helped so much in college by my counselor who mm-hmm. took me as far as they could. You know, they um, 
really helped me with just kind of getting grounded again, I would say. But the deeper spiritual inner work, I don't think they had done themselves. So every time I kind of brought up my fear of death or this, you know, more existential stuff, they would always change the topic. So I realized, yeah, I realized that my work with them was done and that I had to go deeper into this pathway through A Course in Miracles. But having been helped so much, I wanted to help others. And so I ended up becoming a therapist and working as a counselor in a very busy college counseling center for 10 years. And at that point, you know, toward the end of my time there, I knew I wanted to reach more people. I knew I wanted to be able to connect with a wider audience, which is what led me into coaching because that was, you know, I could work with anybody um, in the world, whereas here in the States, counseling is very regulated. There's, you know, many, many rules you have to follow in terms of who you can or maybe can't work with. Um, The transition then really through the panic episode that I mentioned in 2009, when I really, really, really started healing and writing, that's when I knew I'd be coming out with a book and would be reaching that, that larger audience. And so now, you know, it's, it's grown into offering some online classes, doing a lot of talks. And it's funny, you know, I will fully admit my, my biggest piece, my best piece of business advice for people who feel that calling to help others, to use their struggle and to turn around and to help others is to honor that and to trust that Mm. if you continue to just hand over your personal desires to the universe, the universe is going to use your, your willingness to speak out and to help others in the best possible way. So every opportunity that I've had, every talk that I've been invited to speak at every, um, my gosh, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be coming out with a meditation through the company Hemisync, which uses uh-huh. binaural beats. Like it's different sound waves in each ear that uh-huh. helps synchronize the brain. Wow. Um, I'm going to be recording a meditation with them on healing early morning anxiety. And this all, I, I'm just convinced that every opportunity that I've had comes up, not because I forced it or not even because mm-hmm. I've tried, but because I've allowed, because I'm just in a state of just allowing myself to be used for the highest good. So if we can bring ourselves into that mindset and trust that wherever we are in life, in business, in our journey, mm-hmm. continue to just ask to be used for the highest good in any circumstance that you find yourself in and doors are going to open. Absolutely. And it's just, I guess it's just about shining your light, just trusting that you have a light within and that we all are part of the divine and we're all part of source energy. So what source energy is providing to us is just, we're just like um, a vessel through them, right? Absolutely. I love that. It really is. Yeah, we we become that vessel and we just allow that source energy to extend itself through us. Yeah. Yeah. I totally relate. Like I, I was in the journalism world, my dear. And then literally in 2012, I ended up having a low point, which was a cancer scare, which woke me up <laughs> and just shifted my mindset. It was like my mind always thought I needed to be a journalist, but my soul said, no, you were a coach. <laughs> wow. That's such a beautiful example of really listening to that inner calling when it goes, you know, it might be totally different than what our, you know, our thinking, um, Mm. fearful voice that the brain is telling us, well, I should, you know, do this and this is what I want. But when our soul has another pathway for us, 
if we listen to that, mm. it's going to flow, you know, things are going to flow. It's not going to feel like an uphill battle. Yeah, absolutely. And, and those ideas that you kind of have as well, like they're, they're not mad ideas, as people would say, like, if you want to do something, go and do it. Like nobody can stop you. And like you said, the doors always open, like 100% I can put my hands up with that because I didn't know where I was heading in the business world. It just kind of happened. And then everything, you know, the more you kind of shine your light, the more you attract the right things that you wanted to create. And it just opens even more avenues that you didn't even know that you wanted. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I love that what you just said about, you know, just go and do it. So going back to, um, of course, miracles, which is a spiritual pathway that helps Mm -hmm. us awaken to the love that's within us. It teaches us that we have these two thought systems in our mind, the fearful thought system of the ego, and then the thought Mm -hmm. system of love, that source energy that, you know, that part that, that divine, that divinity that's within all of us. And one of the biggest questions that I get from people is how do I know if, you know, the impulse or the feeling that I'm receiving is of the ego, you know, my, Mm. my small mind, or if it's something greater and we can get really tripped up by this and really worry, really, you know, get into that anxiety pattern over, Oh my gosh, is this guidance (laughs) of spirit or is this guidance of ego? And we can, the ego can then, you know, take that and make a whole, you know, egoic anxious mess out of that. So coming back to what you said about just going and do it, going and doing it, that's great advice because in my experience, if I'm not sure, you know, do what you feel inclined to do, mm. but give it, give the whole purpose of it to the divine, give the, give the whole situation mm. to your, I call it your inner therapist in my book <laughs> call it the divine, call it your inner teacher, go and do it. And mm. if you've repurposed the meaning of that experience by giving it to the divine, you can trust that then the ego stuff is going to fall away when you're ready to let it go and that the way will be made clear. If it's not something you're supposed to do, it's going to fall apart and another door will open. You'll be directed. So we can really, really tap into that sense of trust in the universe and in you know how things can unfold um, because we really, we really can't get it wrong. <laughs> We're going to be guided no matter what. Mm. I think that's the key, isn't it? We are being guided. Yeah, (laughs) we are. And, you know, I can think of because I'm I'm just hearing the skeptics speaking out like, really? (laughs) You know, I just had a really crappy situation. How do I like I was guided into that? And no, like that's um, I believe wholeheartedly that the universe is kind. The universe is loving. And any difficult experience that we find ourselves in is a product of the ego thought system. It's a product of the fearful thought system. Mm-hmm. Of course, Miracles calls it the ego script. So in other words, there's this, you know, um, belief in our minds that we're separate from each other and that belief in our minds that we're separate mm-hmm. sort of has set up experiences for us to convince us that in fact we are separate. So our work comes in in saying, all right, it sure feels, you know, painful and awful. And like this situation, you know, I'd rather do without, I'm going to still, again, repurpose it, give it to the divine, give it to my inner therapist to be able to use it as an opportunity, um, to again, 
to again wake up. So for the skeptics listening, you know, oh, I, you know, it, it's not the universe that's doing bad things to mm-hmm. anybody. It's it's our fearful thought system, you know, that we are all plugged into, and and we're slowly one by one learning how to unplug from that. Wow, wow! <laughs> it kind of reminds me of um, I don't know if you ever watched it when you like many years ago, but Harry Potter. <laughs> Yes, like the darkness, like it's all in our mind or the fear and how we react to it is how we attract more of it in a way. Yeah, if we're if we're, you know, plugged into that fear and expecting that the other shoe is going to drop, we're going to have experiences that reinforce that. Whereas if we say, you know, okay, no, I want to see it differently. Like I want to I want to see love instead, we're going to start seeing evidence for that love and our trust in that is going to then one day become stronger than expecting, you know, that the other shoe is going to drop. And so that transfer of trust from fear to love is, is part of the journey. Mm, That's beautiful. And as well, I just wanted to say like a lot of people when they're going through the journey as well, they kind of feel afraid to be vulnerable and, you know, like you said, share their story. Have you got any tips for anybody who's going through that right now? Yes. Number one, the number one thing to remember is that you're not alone. No matter how much it feels like if you speak out, everybody's going to judge you. No. <laughs> that the, People, maybe, maybe there'll be some, you know, negative feedback. I mean, I'll occasionally get, you know, negative comments in YouTube videos and whatever, you know, that's that, <laughs> that where they're at. I've, I've learned to yeah. just like totally, totally dismiss it. Mm. But by far and large, your voice is going to help others. Your, your willingness to share your story and to speak out is going to help others. And it's going to help you too, um, by really confronting that fear of being, I mean, at least it was a fear of being judged for me and confronting that fear of being judged was, um, a great step, you know, in my, in my healing journey. So I would tell people who want to, or or maybe don't yet want to share that it's okay, but that if the time comes that it feels right to go for it, because you have no idea the many miracles that can come from you using your voice. So true. Thank you, my lovely. And, of course. <laughs> bless you. And um, can you tell us about your book? Because I'm really, I'm interested about like, you know, how, how you kind of like, you read the book about The Course of Miracles. So how did that help you to shape your book from anxiety to love? Great question. So A Course of Miracles, for anybody who's listening, who maybe has heard of it, or maybe has even tried to read it, it's really dense. It's really not um, something that you just pick up and totally understand the first time that you read it. It sort of is something that you understand in layers. You get a little bit Mm. at a time. So my book, I, first of all, just from having studied the course in depth for a long time, because I started studying it back in 1998 or 1997, somewhere around there, I knew the principles of it that were helping me. And so I knew that those were the principles I wanted to write out in the book, but I wanted the book to be digestible. I wanted it to be an easy read. I wanted it to be easy for people to understand where you didn't feel like you were like totally scratching your head. Like many people do when they start to read A Course in Miracles. So the first part, I divided the book into three parts. The first part is about, it's called the descent into anxiety. And in this first part, I'm pretty much explaining 
why we're anxious, how we got here. Um, I answer big questions from a course perspective, like, why are we here? You know, what's the point of all this? Because those were the questions that I wrestled with. So that's all the first part. And there's exercises and journal prompts to get us really personalizing the material to really look and to see that what I'm saying, for instance, I'll give you a solid example. A Course in Miracles teaches that we are here in this level of form because we wanted to be special. When we were, you know, in mm. divine oneness where we were created, we got this crazy idea that it'd be better if we were special. And so mm. I prompt people to list all the ways that you seek to be special. Mm. For instance, do you seek to live in a really cool place or have like a really nice house better, you know, than, than other people's or Anyway, maybe even just looking really good when you go out so you, you feel special. Uh, we do this all the time. It's part of our natural human experience. So I really try to take the more abstract concepts that I'm talking about and really make them concrete. So that's part one. Part two is called the ascent into peace. So part two is all about the steps and the shifts that I took to ascend back into peace from the depths of anxiety. And this part of the book has meditations. It has what I call mind straightening mantras, more journal prompts, some exercises, and really listed steps and shifts that we can work in our lives to ascend into peace. And so that's part two. And then part three is putting it all together. So in part three, I take the more abstract principles, the steps and the shifts, and I give very, very specific and uh, concrete examples of dealing with anxiety in specific scenarios and how to use the principles in those scenarios. So for instance, social anxiety, how to work with that. Um, anxiety when you're worried about somebody else. Anxiety when you're having a, when you're having a panic attack, you know what to do then. Um, anxiety when you're freaked out about you know your own body and like maybe physical symptoms. So I relay personal examples um, with each of these scenarios and give the actual you know action steps to help folks work out of that. And the feedback from the book has been amazing. Like it's been so incredibly heartwarming to find that this material has not just been helpful for me, but that it's been helping others as well. Oh, yeah. I Well, I, I found out about you through somebody <laughs> from reading oh, your really? book. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was going to say, what's your favorite part of the book? <gasps> I've never been asked that question before. What a great question. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, wow, my favorite part of the book. Yeah. You know... I guess it would have to be one of the stories that it, it's tough because I feel like there's, I have favorite little, you know, sentences all throughout the book, but there's a story, actually there's more than one, but, but the first <laughs> one that came to mind was a story that really solidified my trust in the universe, my trust in love. And mm. I could share that story briefly um, because there's lots of detail to it, but essentially I was having a physical symptom, something that I've had my whole life. I, I bruise easily. That's just what I do. And I've always done that, and I probably always will. And at, for whatever reason, at this particular point in time, I was like, oh, I think maybe I need to investigate this. So I went to a doctor, and in that doctor's office, they were drawing blood. 
And the nurse, when she asked me, you know, well, why are you here? And I told her, she's like, well, that's not good. And then I was like, Mm -hmm. well, you know, this is a symptom I've had my whole life. And she goes, well, that's not good. And then she goes, don't you pass out on me. So guess what I did? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, what an insensitive nurse. Like, you know, I was so anxious going into this appointment. She agreed on some level to play that part to convince me that this is all, you know, that this is all that there is, that fear is justified. And so I, I, I didn't completely pass out, but I came very close and they had to rush and put my feet up and they gave me juice and gummy worms to bring my blood sugar back up. And anyway, long story short, the doctor then wrote me another prescription for more lab work, but this time at a hospital. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, I hate getting lab work done, but I hate going to hospitals even more. So this next time I had to go, I was still really anxious. I was like, oh, you know, but I kept saying, I want to see witnesses for love. I want to see witnesses Mm. for love. Even though I'm terrified, I want to see witnesses for love. I want to call forth love. I want this to be, you know, my experience this time. So I walk into the outpatient lab at this hospital and the mother of one of my college roommates is sitting there working right there behind the desk. And I had no idea that she worked there. And I was like, Oh my gosh, a friendly face. This is so awesome. I didn't even know she was a nurse without my prompting. She was the one that walked me back and she did the lab draw. And we chatted about her daughter. Who's my, you know, my friend and her, her daughter's kids. And there was no pass out response. It was totally fine. If that wasn't enough, the next thing that happened was that as I left as I was walking out of that clinic, it was a Monday. She goes, Corinne, she's like, it was amazing, you know, that you came in today. She said, I never work on Mondays and I got called in 30 <laughs> minutes before you showed up. <laughs> I get goosebumps every time I tell that story. <laughs> wow. Because that was such Ooh. a pivotal moment for me to recognize that in every situation that I'm in, mm-hmm. I can choose to see witnesses for fear, or I can choose to see witnesses for love. The choice is mine in every single given moment. I can choose where I'm going to put my attention. And in that choice to see, you know, to choose to see witnesses for love, that whole experience happened. And I was just like, there's, I mean, I never went back into as much fear, you know, after that experience, my, my trust really deepened because of that. Wow. (laughs) I'm lost for words right now (laughs) that's so powerful wow right yeah so that's one of the many stories like that in this book just from doing this work and really working these principles because the journey from anxiety to love we live in an age where we want an instant fix. You know, we want that instant satisfaction. We therefore either pop a pill or just want to be able to flip a switch and have our problems be gone. (laughs) This approach is not a quick fix, but it works, you know, and that's where, and I know that it's, it's also harder in that it does require, you know, inner work and inner exploration. And I know this because I've been there, but it is so fruitful and it is so worth it that, the anxiety disorders that I used to live with, the anxiety issues, the the illness, anxiety, all of that, they're, it's light years from me now. Mm. I wake up now with peace in my heart. I used to wake up with a lot of early morning anxiety. 
I used to have insomnia. I now sleep like a baby. I used to not be able to fly on an airplane. Like I would literally, every time I had to fly, I'd be anxious about it for weeks and I'd write my family a goodbye note, like just in case. <laughs> yeah, I was terrified. And now wow. like, I'm flying by myself without medicine, without needing to like white knuckle a meditation the whole time to try to like keep myself calm. Mm. I am at, as comfortable in the air as I am on the ground because it's almost like now I experientially know that there's actually no difference between like up and down. Like, you know, I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> we're safe, you know, wherever mm. we are when we are um, remembering to bring our attention to love. Wow. That's amazing. Wow. And <laughs> I just want to say I relate with everything that you're saying because I I worked in a pharmacy whilst I was at university. So I was like in the dispensary and like you know, giving out medications. And you're right. When we want a quick fix, we never question what's going on. We just, it's, it's the way society has been brought up that we need a quick fix. But really, we need to look, like you said before, we need to look at the root cause. Like where has it come from? What has happened to us to get to this point? And, and actually almost question it. Why has it happened? What is mm-hmm. it that I'm here to learn that I'm not listening to? Absolutely. I agree with that wholeheartedly. We can stop and look because we don't usually do that. We just go on to the next thing, but stopping and questioning what's happening, you know, why is this coming up? What are my fears? Um, that's all very, very valuable um, and fruitful an approach, you know, a fruitful approach to take. Yeah, like my day, I used to take medication like every other day, like um, we say paracetamol, you guys would probably say Advil as well, and um, every other day, and I was collapsing in the office where I used to work, um, and it's nearly been six years on, and I have not taken any medications apart from my operation that I had back last year. Wow, wow. Don't need any headache medications, because usually when we're having a headache, it's number one, we're either dehydrated or we're tired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true it's so true yeah yeah wow it's 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 so important to everyone out there to listen to the symptoms like question it and one you can also ask your soul as well like what do I need to hear in this moment and the answer will come I wholeheartedly agree with that and it might be go get a drink (laughs) (laughs) it's so true (laughs) I love that (laughs) Oh, wow. Wow. My dear, we're coming towards the end of the show. It's gone so quick. Wow. It has gone fast. Yeah. I have a few more questions. <laughs> Please. My first question is, what are your five top tips for someone who's currently going through anxiety at the moment? Okay. I love this question. My five top tips mm. are going to get progressively deeper. So I'm going to start with some you know, easy self-statements and we're going to go deeper based on the principles that I teach in From Anxiety to Love. So step number one is to use some self-statements, some positive self-talk. The first statement is to remember that I am not going crazy. I am learning to become more sane. This was a self-statement that was so helpful for me because one of the number one things that we think when we're having anxiety and panic is that we're going crazy. You are not going crazy. You are just having anxiety and you are learning how to become more sane. Mm. The next self-statement is to tell yourself, I am willing to see this as an opportunity to grow. Mm. So every time something challenging comes up, we don't have to just limit this to anxiety. This can be anything. 
anything that arises is an opportunity to heal. It's an opportunity to see it differently. You know, things come up that are difficult, I believe, in order to be healed. Mm -hmm. So that was my next self-statement. See this as an opportunity to grow. And then my third self-statement, I have like sub-steps in these five steps. (laughs) (laughs) This third self-statement is to remember that you're anxious simply because it's a misperception. You're misperceiving, Mm -hmm. meaning you're temporarily not aware of the boundless and eternal divine love that you are made of and that surrounds you. It seems like that's far away, but it's just that we're, we're misperceiving. We're not currently aware of it. And so we need to just remember if this anxiety is a simple misperception, I can choose again. I can, I can choose to shift my perception to remember the truth that's in us. So that's all step number one is to just use some positive self statements. Mm. My second step is to ground yourself. So especially when you are in anxiety, it can feel very, very much that you aren't grounded, that you feel just lost and carried away by the anxiety. And it might be that you need to stop with this step and stay here for a while. So two techniques that I'll share for grounding. If you are sitting down right now, or if you're standing, just bring your attention to the soles of your feet and even wiggle your toes and just feel your feet touching and connecting with the ground. That can be very grounding because anxiety is stemming from our heads. It's stemming from, you know, our thoughts and this experience that we're having. So we're up in our head. We need to drop our attention down and even getting into this place physically that's as far away from our heads as we can into the bottom of the feet can be grounding. Mm -hmm. The other grounding activity that I'll suggest is right now you can place one hand on your chest and the other hand on your belly and just notice where your breath is moving. Where is your torso? Is your, is your chest doing most of the moving or is your belly doing most of the moving? And chances are, if you're having anxiety, you're breathing from high up in your chest. It's your chest that's doing most of the moving. So simply soften your belly, soften your abdominal muscles just to allow the breath to flow more freely in and out of the belly. It's like when you look at a puppy breathe or a baby, Mm. they're breathing with their whole belly. They're not constricting it. So just soften your belly and automatically you might notice some calmness return. The third step, get your journal. Start writing down every single fear that you can think of. Get it out. When you get it out, it's not as likely to continue to swim around in your head. So when you <laughs> articulate your fears onto paper, you get them out, you get them you know, out of your head. And I did this with a class that I was teaching online. And one participant shared that she was actually afraid that her list was going to go on forever, you know, her list of fears. And she was like, when I did it, she was like, I was surprised. Like it wasn't actually as, you know, it did end. It didn't go on forever. So this might sound like it would be uncomfortable or stir up a lot, but give it a try and just start, you know, getting your fears out on paper in your journal. Step number four. With that list of fears, you can look at that list and then you can turn to spirit and you can say, I want to give these fears to you. I'm willing to hand each one of these fears over and one at a time and taking your time, you can imagine 
that you are, you know, kind of feeling that fear and then you're giving it over to spirit. And this process is significant because what this is, you're not just letting go. It's an exchange. You're letting your fear go into spirit's hands and you're receiving a miracle. You're receiving a shift in perception or a, um, renewed sense of love. That's the exchange. So it's always an exchange. We're handing our fears over for these miracles, these experiences of love instead. And so that's step four is to hand each one over. And then step five is probably the most advanced step. So if we feel like we're just not able to do this step yet, that's fine. This is where we can, when we feel ready, get quiet. This might be where meditation comes in once we've calmed ourselves down enough But if we feel like we still can't sit still, like there's just, you know, meditation is just not an option, we might try to do some type of meditative activity. So for instance, adult coloring books are very popular. Those can be something that we can just fully tune into as we're doing it. Um, Listening to music, maybe fully paying attention to that song as you're listening to it. Whatever you do, choose to do it with 100% of your attention, 100% of your awareness. And every time you notice your mind drift, which it will, you can choose to bring your wandering attention back to that activity that you're doing. And that's this training, this mind training that we do where we continually bring back our wandering attention to whatever it is that we're doing. So those are my five, my five top tips with, you know, some sub tips in there. But, um, I found these to be incredibly, incredibly helpful, and I hope they're helpful for those listening as well. Thank you for sharing those. Those were amazing. I was just like, wow. <laughs> <Each and everyone. laughs> um, I definitely feel like the writing one is powerful when we mm-hmm. write. Oh, like a lot of us, I think I feel like a lot of people who suffer with anxiety, a lot of it is just the chatter in the mind, isn't it? It is. It is. It's that incessant chatter that just goes on and on it's like a loop and we have to do something to break that loop yeah I just feel like writing pen to paper is just so powerful it just I almost feel like it brings you back into the present moment it absolutely has that effect for me once I get it out on paper it's like everything feels like I can it feels like I can breathe again (laughs) it feels like I'm I'm here you know I'm back in the moment so I agree with you wholeheartedly Oh, bless you. Well, I have a few more questions. <laughs> sure. And um, my next one is, what are you most grateful for? I am most grateful for two things. For, for, for love, for the fact that we all have that spark of love and good within us, no matter how deeply it's buried. And I am also intensely grateful to my mom, who has been my spiritual teacher for, you know, a number of years now and for her dedication to this pathway. And it was because of her introducing me to A Course in Miracles that I dove in wholeheartedly. So I'm, I'm intensely grateful to my mom as well. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And my last question, my lovely, is what shines your inner light? Oh, what shines my inner light? The experience of miracles, the moments when I look into somebody's eyes and we both smile and it feels like it's a smile that's coming from somewhere deep within each of us, Mm. that fills my heart. That lights up my inner light. And 
a miracle is defined as an expression of love. So I feel like even just smiling at somebody is that expression of love at times. And um, I love just having those connections with others that feel, even if we're strangers, that just feels like it comes from a different level of our consciousness. And, and those always make my heart full and, and they make my inner light shine. Corinne, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show. And thank you for sharing your journey, because it's so amazing to see how far you've come and just keep shining your light because a lot of people need your help out there. Thank you so much. It's been a true honor. And thank you so much for having me on the show. Oh, my pleasure. (laughs) What a powerful interview with Corinne. It's so important that we learn how to love ourselves and accept ourselves and And use less of our mind and more of our soul because our soul is the gateway to finding who we truly are. It's about coming home to who we were born to be. Unfortunately, that's the end of the show. Before I leave, I want to leave you with this quote. Perhaps we should love ourselves so fiercely that when others see us, they know exactly how it should be done. That's a quote by Rudy Francisco. For more information about the show or for more details about Corinne, visit www.girdshundle.com. And remember, stay happy, stay healthy, stay lit. lit.